Welcome to the Priority Zero Podcast, stories of service. Welcome to the Priority Zero Podcast, and today we've got with us Yvette. Now, Yvette has been with SES uh, across the Northern Territory in New South Wales for over 16 years. She was also a volunteer with St. John Ambulance in the Northern Territory as an advanced responder. Spent four years in the Australian Regular Army with military police and is now a trainee paramedic in New South Wales. Yvette, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Yvette, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up down in the Snowy Mountains, down in New South Wales, in a little seasonal town called Jindabyne, so it's up the foothills um, as you head up into the mountains. Loved it down there when I was 16, which is the age you could join up for the SES. I went along to my first training night and pretty much got hooked from there. And then, yeah, over the years, built up my skills, got into the Army, moved up to the Northern Territory, spent some time up there, and now moved back to New South Wales. That's a quick rundown. <laughs> All right, so tell us a little bit about uh, your time in the SES. 16 years is quite a long time, and you've got quite extensive experience throughout SES. Talk to me a little bit about what kind of inspired you to join. Um, I think sort of what inspired me was pretty much I grew up with volunteering in SES in my family. So my parents moved back to Australia. My dad's a Kiwi. They moved back to Australia a year before I was born. And as a way to sort of get to know the community and be a part of it, my dad joined up with SES. So I grew up always having him responding to different events, going out at all different times of the day and night. And I was always like, I want to do that. That looks like fun. So that's sort of where my inspiration came from. My two older sisters joined up, which left me at home with my two younger brothers. So I was desperate to join. (laughs) So yeah, as soon as I turned 16, I went along and I just wanted to learn skills, you know, that can just help in so many different areas of life, not just in rescues and emergencies, but your day-to-day life, like how to tie knots and navigate can just come into so many different skill sets throughout your normal life as well. Perfect. So talk to me about some uh, some of the courses that you've experienced through SES. Yeah, I've done quite a few over 16 years. You kind of get to get to all of them, really. But I think for me, some of the real ones that I really enjoyed the most was the rescue side of things. So I did like my road crash rescue and my alpine search and rescue. So that's like people in the backcountry at the ski resorts when they get lost out there in in snow conditions. We would um, have a team that would go out and help retrieve them. Can we talk um, a little bit about that part more in detail? I mean, coming from yeah. Darwin, we didn't get snow here. So I'm quite interested no, to hear a little bit more about that. <laughs> Yeah, yes. Um, I did switch extreme topics, I, I guess, like from coming to the snow to moving up to Darwin was like a massive change for me. Yeah, Alpine Search and Rescue. So basically what we do is to train and to get into the course, it's quite a quite an intensive process, I guess, because there is a fair bit of like fitness wise that you have to do. So we to get in and to maintain your currency within the Alpine Search and Rescue team, you have to do a arduous pack test. So it's a, I think it's like nearly 5Ks with a 20 kilo pack on and you've got to do it in 45 minutes or less. So you have to do that annually. So every year you do that to maintain your currency as an Alpine operator. The course itself involves things like snow survival, cold weather survival, how to dig into the snow, make shelters, then the rescue side of things and how to get people out of those environments. And then you can also then get your qualifications to do over snow. So you get your license to ride snowmobiles and then how to use them in difficult terrain as well. Nice. So yeah, lots, people, of, lots of cool stuff out there. How many people are typically run on a course like that? Every season would probably put through about six to eight volunteers. So when it first started up, there was only three units within New South Wales that had alpine operators, which was Snowy Riverdown, Jindabyne, the Queen Bean unit and Tumut unit. So they were the only ones that had alpine operators as they were close to the snow. It sort of changed a little bit now. It's become its own sort of branch and a lot more units have become involved. 
but those that are closest to the snowfields are the ones that are going to get activated first. So in a team, you need like a minimum of about four people to head out to do an alpine rescue. So that's one of your highlight courses, I guess, from, from SES. Talk to me about some of the other courses that you've had to, the chance to complete. So the other side would be the rescue side. So I'm really passionate about rescue. is probably one of my strong points. I've done my road crash rescue. I've done industrial and domestic rescue. So that's where you're looking at things like farming accidents or if someone, you know, like a little kid puts their finger down the plug hole when they're emptying the bath out, um, how to do rescues from those environments. The other things being like uh, what we call USAR category one, so urban search and rescue. So after things like earthquakes, we can do a category one rescue where we're rescuing the lightly trapped so the people on the surface um, we don't tunnel down that's the next level up so that's left for the fireys but doing like all the surface casualty sort of thing from there i've also done my storm and water damage flood boat operator love getting out on the water in the boats that's like a cool um, skill set to have as well and land search and all of that yeah what's some of your your highlight from the ses side of things is there a specific deployment or anything you went on Oh, there's been so many amazing opportunities with SES. Like joining up is probably one of the best things I did. It's probably two really big highlights with SES for me. One of them was I got to be a part of a team of six people that went to New Zealand to do an alpine study tour. So we were looking at developing our capability um, and improving our skill sets. And New Zealand has amazing mountains and amazing snow terrain over there which is completely different to what we have in Australia so getting a part of that team and we went over to New Zealand I think we were over there for like a week and we spent time up on the glaciers going into the crevasses on the glaciers and learning about all these different rescue techniques avalanche awareness and it was just an amazing opportunity we learned so much we brought back so much for the capability to help grow that even more and the team that went was just amazing we had such a good time and we learned heaps the other Highlight, I guess, is the SES runs the SES runs a number of sponsorships and scholarships that you can apply for. And I decided one day to put in an application for a, a like a sponsorship and see if I could get one. So I got a scholarship that then allowed me to go back to New Zealand to do Outward Bound. So I don't know, have you heard of Outward Bound? No. <laughs> so Outward Bound is uh, it's a really cool organisation. They do a lot of um, like outdoor activities designed to develop like resilience, leadership, learn to understand yourself a bit more and the barriers that we set around ourselves and how to work through those through outdoor activities. So I went to New Zealand for 21 days on this course and we did everything from like sailing to three to four day overnight hikes up in the mountains and just learnt so much. And on the very last day, you run a half marathon. And having been through all those 21 days of different elements are challenging for different people. So like for me, some of the height, like the high wire courses was really challenging where for walking in the bush wasn't that challenging for me but was for other people so you're developing all of these skills to cope with all these different situations and understanding yourself better and then on the really last day you run a half marathon and that to me was like something that I never thought I'd ever do <laughs> and yeah. I ended up running 22ks and yeah so it was a pretty big achievement and learned so much learned so much. Well, it pushes you to learn a lot about yourself and help build your self-confidence and confidence with your team as well. Yeah, 100%. It does all of that. And also realising how many barriers we put in place around ourselves, you know, like, oh, I don't want to do that. I could hurt myself or, oh, that's way beyond my skill sets. But really, it's not. If you break it down and just chip away at it, you can actually get 
so much more done. We put a lot of barriers around ourselves, I reckon. Yeah, def- definitely the mindset is a, is, is a big thing. I think uh, humans are capable of a lot more than we think we are. It's just being able to push through those barriers and having those people there to support you. A hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. We can do so much more than we ever think we're capable of. Perfect. So we've covered kind of your SES in general. Uh, mm. I know you started off in New South Wales and then you kind of made the move to Darwin. So tell yes. me a little bit about the difference between SES in the Northern Territory and SES in New South Wales. We still do the same thing. So we're still a combat agency, flood storms and tsunami. We still focus on the same things. It's very different working in different climates. Obviously, as you know, up in Darwin, it's it's hot and a you get bit hot. Big, big cyclones and you get rainy season and dry season, which you don't have those elements down here in New South Wales. I think like, and you've got crocodiles too. So like going out in the water is completely different. <laughs> such a different risk factors and stuff to consider, which is always a bit of fun. I used to always, um, when I instructed on the boat courses, I used to tell my participants, the first person to find me a crocodile is an automatic pass. (laughs) (laughs) We always had a bit of fun with that. Yeah, so there is a big difference. I think New South Wales probably has a little bit more funding than what they do have in the Northern Territory as well. So you do have differences in the equipment and the amount of equipment that you have and when, how we use it. In general, it's all pretty much the same. We're all sort of working towards keeping that community safe in floods and storms. Perfect. So you started off in the SES and then you made your move to the Australian Regular Army. Is that right? I did, yeah. So I joined up for full-time service. Yeah. And I got in in, I think it was like 2018, went off to Wagga to complete my basic training. And then from there, moved up to Holsworthy where I did my school Pacific. So I went in as military police. So I spent six months in Sydney training to be military police and then got my posting up to Darwin and then relocated up there. Talk to me about uh, about Kapuka going there for the first time and your experiences there. It's a scary place when you first get off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it was a bit of a shock. It was very different, I think, to what you think it's going to be like. And so there's just so many different little elements to it. Like there was, I think like probably one of the key points that I really remember from it was when it comes to the end of the day and it's time to like, shower and go to bed there's like three showers in the female bathrooms and there's like 20 females and we've all got a shower in 20 minutes so how you work as a team having never met these people before in your life to get everybody through the showers and dressed and back out into the hallway ready for bed in that 20 minute time frame because you have to meet your timings so that was like some of those huge learning experiences in that teamwork. I actually quite enjoyed Kapuka. Like it was very challenging. You're on the go all the time. But I really did enjoy learning all the different elements of being in the Defence Force. How, how old were you when you first went to Kapuka? I think I just turned 26. So I was, I guess, mature aged when I went along, which was sometimes challenging because a lot of people that do go to Kapuka are straight out of school. It was a little bit sometimes harder being a little bit older with a bit more life experience. But yeah, it was still, it was a good experience. What was your highlight from Kapuka? Um, Or what's some of the things that you enjoyed doing to getting those basic skills? With the basic skill, I really enjoyed things like weapon handling, doing the shooting. Yeah, that were probably, probably my key highlights. And I think right at the end, right at the end of Kapuka, you do a challenge. So it's your section or platoon against your sister platoon, which is, I think it's about like, 20, 30 people, depends on how many they're putting through at the time. Do this big challenge at the end. So you're going through like an obstacle course, section attacks, all these different skill sets that you've learnt over the course of being at Kapuka. And you put that all together in this big challenge and you're competing against your other um, teams. And my my section, we came in, I think we came in at second place and we had 
like probably the best time doing it. People weren't expecting us to sort of do as well as we did, but with the teamwork and everyone just focused and helping each other and supporting each other, we absolutely nailed it and came in um, in second place. So it was pretty good. Perfect. So going from Kapuka, going to your military police specific training, mm. can you tell me a little bit about that? How was that compared to Kapuka? Um, I definitely didn't have as much of a good time doing that training than I did at Kapuka. It was a lot more academic than it was hands-on, and I'm very much a hands-on kind of person, so a lot of classroom learning, which I struggled with a bit. It was a very intensive course as well. You're learning everything from, like, when you can arrest somebody, how you go about it, the different laws, the regulations, how military police work in different settings. You're going through things like doing a traffic stop, monitoring speed, all that sort of stuff. So there was a lot of lot of different elements to learn in a very challenging sort of setting. And being in Sydney too, I struggled living in Sydney. I'm a country girl, so I struggled living in Sydney. But yeah, like we got to the end of it and we got through okay. I think mentally it was probably a super challenging course for me. Did you find any of the, you know, the training that you've done through throughout your 16-year career in SES helped you with any of your stuff at Kapuka or your MP training? Yeah, 100%. It did. So I already had like some really good leadership foundations in place because when I was in SES, I worked my way up through different ranks. So I went from like a member to training coordinator to deputy local controller to local controller. So as a local controller, I ran the unit. So I was in charge of the unit. So I had a lot of responsibilities and learning those leadership skills rolled into what I did within the army as well. And then also the skill sets like navigating being able to give a briefing all of those skills really did um, sort of blend in now with your mp stuff uh, your mp career is there any highlights you can tell me any operations or deployments or anything like that that you can kind of speak about yeah look we did a lot of training exercises and i think probably some of the fun things or i shouldn't say fun things but some of the uh, some of the different opportunities that we had we did a big training exercise just out of rockhampton up at the training grounds there and we were going in to conduct um, an arrest of what was prisoners of war at the time in this exercise and we got to go in like the different armoured vehicles which for me was like a good opportunity because normally we just drive our own vehicles around um, but we were working with the armoured vehicles and their operators so we were jumping in the back of like some tanks and rolling down and conducting an arrest and then bringing those people back to where we had set up sort of like our staging area to process these people and then move them back to what we would have like a detention center for processing further so that was probably one of the really probably the biggest highlights in within the career there sort of i really enjoyed doing the field work side of things and i know a lot of army people probably rolling their eyes at the moment being like for real <laughs> but i actually enjoyed being out in the bush and doing those different training exercises yeah i've, I've had a few uh a few infantry friends have told me they've done a lot of training with the MPs and they've done a lot of like riot control. They've been the rioters where the MPs have, you know, been there with the shields and the batons and, and done all that sort of training. They seem to love that side of thing as well. Yeah, that is good fun. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love to throw some eggs at people, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you're allowed to do it because it's training. <laughs> exactly. All right. So we've kind of encompassed uh, a good overview of your career in the in the army, and you spent you said you spent four years, and most of that four years, apart from your training, was in Darwin. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, at what point did you decide? You know, it's kind of time to leave the military. And um, where do you go from there? Because, from what I'm understanding, while you were in the military, you kind of got an inkling to kind of get in the medical field, the paramedic field. Is that right? 
That's yeah, that's right. So I've always had an interest in paramedicine as something always in the back of my mind that I'm like, I'd really love to do that. But I've always kept putting it off because I never saw myself as a a uni student. <laughs> so I've always kind of put it off being like, nah, nah, I can't do that. I can't do university. Nah, it's fine. But always love the medical. So when I moved to the Northern Territory, I joined up with St. John's NT, which I think we're going to talk about in a bit. And building up my skills through St. John's as a volley, I was like, yeah, I really love this stuff. Like I need to do this more. The turning point for me was actually with St. John's, I went down and did the Fink Desert Race. So for those of you who don't know the Fink Desert Race, it's like one of the tough enduro motocross events from Alice Springs down to Fink and back. And I was stationed out at the last checkpoint before Fink uh, with this really great paramedic crew and we had the best time. And it was at that point where I was like, I need to start taking this paramedic thing a bit more seriously. Like I need to look into it a bit more. And then my sister, who also, she's a nurse, so she worked in emergency department um, here in New South Wales. She sent me a link from New South Wales Ambulance saying that they were recruiting through a vocational pathway. You get to get your degree while you're working on road. And I thought that's actually pretty cool. And so I sat on it for a bit, thought about it. And then the day the applications closed, I was like, what's to lose? Let's put in an application and see what happens. If I get in, it's meant to be. If not, then I'll I'll stay on with Army for a bit longer. At that point in my military career, I wasn't tracking too well mentally and I was like looking for different options. Do I stay on for another year, see if things improve? Do I get out? So I was in that sort of that grey area trying to decide what was best best course of action for me. Yep. So, yeah, uh, pop the application in. Perfect. So let's go back to St. John for a little bit. So mm. I believe you joined it about 2019, is that right? I did. I moved up to Darwin and... I joined up with the SES again as well because that's um, one of my biggest passions there. So I joined up with SES and I happened to be getting a little bit bored and I was like, I need something else to do, keep me entertained or learn new skills. Um, And I went to the the Royal Darwin show because I'm a country girl, (laughs) I love a good show. Went to the show, saw the St. John's tent and I was like, oh, I could probably do that. Researched it a bit more, went along to my local division, shout out to Palmerston, and went along to there and, yeah, just never looked back, just went skill after skill and got my qualifications up to an advanced responder. Talk to me about the different levels of qualifications that you get through St. John. So when you first sign up to St. John, take me through the whole stages of the, you know, the, the induction and meeting people and your different clinical levels and what it involves. Yeah, so went along to the unit, um, did my induction training. Um, I think I did mine a little bit informally, like it was just kind of a bit of a, a bit of a chat session. Did my induction because I already had a first aid certificate through Army and SES. Um, I was able to pretty much start straight off as a first aider, um, and then you sign up for public duty. So whenever they need some first aid assistance out there in public events you can pop your name down on the list and you go along and assist at these events to provide medical cover wanted to advance in my skills and my knowledge so then applied to do um first responder uh, where you do your certificate two i'm pretty sure it is did the training for that logged uh, got the logbook all signed off you got to cover off and treat certain scenarios to get first responder and once I got my first responder, I wanted to push myself and go a little bit further and then went and did my Cert 3 to get advanced responder levels. Um, so you get to give more medications, treat at a higher skill set, learn a lot more about body functions and how systems work and um, treat at those events. And then you also get a bit more into the leadership side of things as well as a more higher clinical skill. Perfect. And what, what's some of your highlights of the events that you've attended to? Um, my favourites were usually always motorsports. Um, so I love doing things like the motocross. 
Um, Fink was 100% a massive highlight, based in the grass, the big music event. Um, that was also fun as well. What's the common injuries you see at these events? Yeah, it kind of varies. Like, you'll go to some events and you'll get nothing, and you go to others and you get heaps. I think you and I did a duty um, at the open day for the airport when... Yes, I was the event, the big, uh, so the the event commander, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. for the... Um, uh, the pitch black open day. Yeah, yeah, you and I did that one. And I think at one point we had like three or four casualties all at once with yeah. like related injuries. It went um, from, from nothing pain. to everything. Yeah, the, yeah. And I remember like floating between the ambulances being like, oh, what am I going to do next? <laughs> yeah, we even had the buggy going at one point and man, it was hot that day. And, and being on the tarmac, uh, this is held on the raft it. base. Um, you know, being on that tarmac, that that sun, it just reflects the heat, and it was just mm, it was brutal. People lining up for hours. It was a that was a crazy day. We had a lot of good a lot of good patients, and, and met a lot of really cool military people from around the world. So it was yeah, uh, we really did, and got into all the different jets and the planes and stuff. It was an awesome day. It was a good opportunity. We had a really good teamwork in that day. Yeah, yeah, we should all be yeah. pretty proud of what we've achieved that day. Everyone that was working. Oh, 100 percent. 100% we should be, yeah. We, um, yeah, I just remember going between the different different patients because I think between you and I, we were like the highest clinical level there and we had a paramedic who was already working on someone who was quite sick and we were just like bouncing between everyone just trying to sort out. Exactly. Exactly. Triage and prioritise. It was a fun day. All right. So covered off your military. We've covered off your SES. We've covered off, you know, your, your career with St. John. Mm. So you got to the end of your your military career, you knew it was time to go. You kind of had that inkling that you wanted to do something in, in the paramedic world. You had that experience with St. John, and you, you did mention that you'd have applied for traineeship with New South Wales Ambulance Service. Mm. Um, how did that go? Yeah, it was really good. Um, everything moved really fast. Once my application was in, things were just going really fast. I was getting interviews and extra details and stuff that they needed. And then I think I got about two two and a bit weeks notice that I was in the October intake. So I started end of October last year and I had to basically relocate back to New South Wales in like two weeks. So it was a super stressful time because at that time I was still trying to process my discharge from army. And those of you that have been involved in military will understand how hard it is to get out of the army. They usually like three months notice and I'm giving them like four weeks, <laughs> uh, which is the minimum amount of time you're allowed to give. Um, so there was a lot going on. I was trying to like pack up my house, work out how to get down to New South Wales. And it was, it was pretty stressful time, but got in, rocked into New South Wales down at Homebush um, in Sydney and started the eight week induction course. So that was pretty intense, pretty full on. I was very grateful for a lot of the stuff that I'd learned in St. John's because I had a really basic understanding of more advanced first aid. So a lot of the Treatment and the scenarios and stuff that we were going through as a trainee paramedic was stuff that I had experienced either in real or in training with St. John's as well. So it really helped out. And yeah, did my eight-week induction. And once I got to the end of the eight weeks, we were level one trainee paramedics and we were sent out to our stations and hit the road. Yeah, that, that's great. Well, one thing I would really want to make clear to everyone is when you see those St. John volunteers, regardless of which state you're in, they are professionals. They might be volunteers, but they are very professional at what they do. And their, and their mm. scope of practices are actually quite vast uh, and the it drugs is. and things that they can give. So, you know, kudos to everyone out there that does volunteer and, you know, gives up their time for the community, uh, especially their St. John volunteers. i got to give 100%. a special shout out to them. Yeah, and I back that completely. Like the skills that you learn. I remember looking at the medications that I could give, that I can give now as a trainee paramedic to what I could give as a volunteer. 
and I could give probably more as a volunteer than I could as a trainee paramedic. So the skills that the volunteers have, like, yeah, you guys keep keep up the good work and be proud of yourselves. Yeah, like we, we can give things like, um, you know, adrenaline, Naxalone, and Dazatron, you know, um, methoxy. Your glucagon, yeah. Yeah, glucagon, so we can give some really, really cool stuff. Um, yeah, 100%, yeah. Yeah, and if you put the effort into your training as a volunteer, like you just get better and better at your skills and it, it helps out everyone. Exactly. And and in general, mate, it's really, really good life skills to have. Oh, 100%. And giving back to your community, meeting like-minded people. I use volunteering a lot to like for my mental health as well. Like it's a break to my normal routine and it's working with people that I enjoy hanging out with and just doing different skill sets. Even the networking is fantastic. You meet people from like all walks of life. It's, yeah. Mm, all over everyone comes from different backgrounds different jobs and it's just cool to meet all these different people and we all have the same we're all working towards a common goal we want to do the best that we can for the community and i think that's awesome exactly so talk to me a little bit about this role you're doing with new south wales the ambulance service your traineeship and and uh obviously generally everywhere else in australia um you go to university first you get your degree then you do an internship but the way you're doing it is quite different and i believe it's the only mm. jurisdiction left that has this pathway for paramedics? Yeah, so from what I understand, it's something new that they brought out as a trial. So following on from COVID, the workload for paramedics has just skyrocketed. And a lot of the paramedics that worked through COVID times and now into these times, they're getting pretty burnt out. So we needed some more paramedics to hit the ground running and to get us out on the road quicker with some basic skill sets to assist. So... Yeah, so basically I work on road, so I work my normal roster um, on road. I ride along, I treat. What's your roster patients. like? I do four days on, five days off at the moment, the station that I'm at, and I'm really lucky. The station that I got, we don't do night shifts. It's so good. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah, I don't know how I, out of 400 people that went through, sorry, 200 people that went through <laughs> um, the training that I did, uh, how I ended up being the only one getting sent to this station in Newcastle that doesn't do night shifts. It's amazing. That is um, amazing. Yeah, so I'm super lucky, super lucky. So, yeah, do four days on, 12-hour shifts. If we finish on time, we often run over. Five days off, which is great because while I'm working, I'm also doing working towards my degree. So I'm doing my degree in paramedicine. So, yeah, in between working, I'm fitting in university. Who would have thought I got, went to uni? <laughs> yeah, so I'm working on getting my degree while working on road. And I think it's a really awesome way to do it because I'm learning so much um, while I'm working on road and it links a lot back to what I'm learning at university and I've sort of seen it firsthand as I'm learning it. Yeah, it, it's amazing what you can do when you put your mind to it. Like I, I, the last podcast I put up with one of my friends, Leonie, like I knew him when he was a Lance Corporal in the Marines and, and now he's studying a PhD. Yeah, right. He's Dr. Martina, <laughs> and, and it's, it's just crazy. The, the little things that you do throughout life and what, what they accumulate to. I think there's, there, there, there's a saying, it says, people normally overestimate what they can do, you know, in a year, but underestimate what they can do in four or five years. And I think that's yes. really, really true. Uh, you know, set a goal and you chip away at it slowly and, you know, anyone can achieve really, really great things. You can achieve your dreams. you just got to really stick to your goals and be disciplined. Yeah, and it all, I think it also comes down to as how much you want it, how much are you willing to put into it to get what you want. And, yeah, like you said, if you just keep chipping away at it, anything's possible. Exactly. How, how long has this uh, 
uh, this traineeship for? The traineeship is for, I think it's about four years. So I've got to do a diploma as well as my degree. So I'm sort of mixing them all in together at the moment. So about four years of university and then, yeah, qualified as a paramedic after that. Yeah, perfect. So uh, Hopefully a little bit sooner. It depends on how the system works. Yeah, I, have to, I haven't looked into all the details of the final stages yet. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So what a lot of people might not realise is paramedics, uh, healthcare professionals now. Many years ago, it actually used to be a diploma qualification. It kind of used to be like a a, a trade that people used to go in. They used to have, you know, clin one, clin two, and they used to actually learn the job as they went. Yeah. And I think it was, it must have been about, what is it, about five or six years ago, I believe, don't quote me on that, when they became registered healthcare professionals, and now it is a a degree-based job. So, it is, uh, the yeah. scope of practice is increasing, which is fantastic. So yeah, lo- lots changing in the world of paramedicine over the next over the next few years as well. Yeah, hundred percent. We went from just driving ambulances to now doing life saving interventions all the way to hospital. So it's definitely come a long way. Talk to me a little bit about you know you've been through quite a bit through your life through the military, SES, St John, now a paramedic thing. You would have you know seen and experienced a lot of things. Mm. How do you how do you stay so resilient? Good question. Um, I think for me, it's trying to where I can stick to a routine best I can, but also I'm trying to maintain my fitness. You know, like I, I got a gym membership. I go to the gym wherever I can. I find fitness is a really good way to get those good hormones and stuff pumping. It makes you feel good. The fit you are, I think the more mentally resilient you are as well. I love to always have something planned. I've always got something to look forward to. So whether that be like a road trip, a full drive trip, go down to the beach. At the moment, it's whale watching season. So I'm always out trying to find where I can see the best whales. Always having something sort of in the plan, something that I can look forward to that sort of can take away some of those stresses that you have in life. Yeah, they're probably like my biggest things. And also just challenging yourself sometimes every now and again, like try not to settle for second best. Like try to challenge yourself. Do something that's outside your comfort zone every now and again, just to remind yourself of your capability. And, and what's in the what's the future for you? What's your future plans? The immediate future plan is to get through uni, finish my degree, get qualified as a paramedic. Into the distant future, I'd really love to get into things like critical care paramedicine, take that to like the next level, keep doing my volunteering, very passionate about volunteering emergency management sort of really want to keep that on the back burner going along as I can but yeah I think the immediate goal at the moment is get this degree done and and get my qualification if you can just for our listeners uh, have you got any piece of advice for anyone that wants to join SES or you know has aspirations to become a paramedic or the or the military police or army in general yeah do your research and give it a go with volunteering rock up to your unit meet the team, find out what the process is, and then give it a really good go. Don't just judge it on your first night. Give it give it a good month or so of rocking up to training and just work out what the processes are and find the area that you're interested in. Do you enjoy boats? Do you love being out in the water? Is going down a flood rescue path something that, you know, is good for you? Or are you more into doing the admin side of things where you can manage events behind the scenes? So really find the areas that you're, that you're interested in and give it a good, decent crack. Do your research in anything for the careers that you want. Talk to people who are in those areas. Find out the information, the good and the bad. And then if there's something that you want to do, just go and do it anyway. Yeah, perfect. I think that's a a really important point. Uh, And I think a good way to put it is, for me personally, like uh, I was kind of sitting on this podcast for probably over a year, um, Mm. something that I had in my mind, something that I really wanted to do, but I wasn't sure how to go about it. I've never edited videos before. I've never done any recording before. And I just came to the conclusion that, you know, I'd rather do something 
Mm. Uh, I don't want to get to the end of my life and go, damn, I should have tried that. Yeah. You know 100%. what I mean? I'd rather try it, see if it works, see if it didn't. If not, hey, let's move on and, you know, know that I have tried that and kind of live with no regrets. Yeah, and no, I totally get that. Um, I think I've probably spoken to you at times of, like, the road trips and stuff that I've been on, um, and I do a lot of solo travelling because when I'm free to go travelling, my friends are usually working or something. So I do a lot of solo travelling around Australia. I've completed my lap of Australia. And I remember when I did the Gibb River Road, I was going into, like, these different, like, caves and gorges and stuff, and I just remember watching, like, busloads of – the senior citizens rock up and I love senior citizens, nothing against them. Um, I just remember watching them all sort of come out and they were struggling to like climb over the rocks and the conversations that I had with like a few of them was like, oh no, we're just doing this like before we die. And I remember thinking, I'm so glad I'm out here doing it now. Like I'm doing it by myself. I'd love to have people come with me, but I'm doing it by myself and I'm capable of doing it right now. Um, rather than getting towards the end of my life where I'm 60, 70 and my mobility is decreased and I, I can't enjoy it as much. So I think, yeah, you've just got to grab grab life by the horns and see where it takes you really. Exactly. And um, probably something that I want to add to that is, I mean, this is something probably that you're aware of and most first responders are aware of. We don't know when the end is going to be. No. Exactly. So there's, there's yep. no point in waiting. You really, really need to grab life and really do the things that you want to do. Mm -hmm. and if you can do them now, don't leave it. Really, don't leave it. Enjoy life. Because it can be cut 100%. short at any moment. Yep. Do not yeah, live with regret. Yeah. yeah. And if it's on your mind, it's something that you want to do, find a way. Make it happen. Perfect. Yvette, I really, really want to thank you for coming on today and sharing your experiences. Like, I really commend you for everything that you've done. You've done thank so you. much for the community and, and for the country uh, over your lifetime. You should really be commended for that. And thank you very much for sharing your story with us and the listeners. No, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Perfect. Thank you very much.